0: I'm Dave Monaco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. In this episode, I return to my conversations with college and university admissions officials. In the last year, I have visited a dozen colleges in California, Illinois, Texas, North Carolina, and most recently, Tennessee. Most often on these trips, I spend time with senior admissions officials seeking to do two things. First, to extol the virtues and vision at Parrish, and second, to probe clues on the strategic priorities of the colleges and universities I'm visiting. Like Parrish, colleges and universities are being asked to navigate complex and rapidly changing conditions. As one interested in innovation within the education industry, I seek the perspective of these higher education leaders about trends impacting their decision-making and forecasting. Recently, I traveled to Nashville and had a chance to visit two universities there, and this podcast I speak with David Mee, the Associate Provost and Dean of Enrollment at Belmont University. Belmont has an interesting history, dating back over a century. It has been only since 1950, however, that it has operated as a four-year institution of higher learning, and since 2007, as a university unbridled from its affiliation with the Baptist Church. In the last decade and a half, then, Belmont has risen rapidly in national profile, in great part on its incredibly deep and broad programming centered around the music industry. Its curb school of music and entertainment business is unique globally for its focus preparing eventual graduates for work in the entertainment industry. Belmont has leveraged the city of Nashville's growth and the city's historical roots as a center of the music industry to offer its students a Terrific program. I know you'll enjoy this conversation with David Mee. Well, David Mee, thank you for inviting me into your uh, office here at belmont university and i'm excited to have you on the from my angle podcast
1: well thanks for having me good to meet uh, with you today
0: i'm in nashville for the people of color conference with nis and stopping by belmont today and uh vanderbilt tomorrow as uh listeners know i've been on this uh, circuit the last several years out to Mm -hmm. tell folks about parish and and higher education but also to learn from what's happening on campuses like yours which are very uh in some cases very parallel uh, to places like parish okay. so Belmont's a fascinating uh, a fascinating university uh, yes. and, and, and again we'll touch on this in many ways uh, has it has a narrative similar to parishes but uh, maybe give us the, uh, uh, the 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 brief overview sure. of, uh, of the of the college I think there's nine college the, of the university I think' nine colleges right. here and, right. and, and uh, number of your students and etc sure. just give us a little overview
1: well you have three or four hours ah. yeah right. <laughs> True uh, admissions gap that's right right but sort uh, of in the elevator conversation yeah. as they say um, just a fascinating place uh, I've been in higher ed enrollment management uh, for about 32 years and the last eight or so here at Belmont and have had the opportunity to, to be on lots of different campuses, primarily um, private um, college universities over the years. and. Um, truly no more fascinating place mm-hmm. to me as both an employee but also just an observer mm-hmm. of higher ed than Belmont um, you know sort of the, the highlights I think that are important um, is uh, the unusual nature of growth at Belmont uh, back in the fall of 2000 the university um, had about 2,900 total students mm. fast forward to the year uh, fall of 2018 and we are at approximately 8,300 students what's what's really interesting digging be- beneath those numbers though Um, you know, beyond adding majors, beyond significant uh, capital and physical campus expansion, is when you consider that our growth has been what I like to refer to as bricks and mortar growth. Higher education growth on any given campus in America often is in the area of online education, mm-hmm. satellite education, and I will be the first to say some wonderful opportunities Absolutely for students going on and there. an important piece of, mm-hmm. of the US higher education market. Our bricks and mortar growth, though, has meant that our, our student uh, increase in enrollment has been from students who all study on this campus. Um, traditional undergraduate, primarily residential experience with students still from all 50 states. And that's about
0: 6, That's about 6,500 undergraduates. Yeah, just I think
1: roughly around, about 6,500 Seven hundred right. undergrad about 1,600 or so graduate yep. students yep. Um, even our graduate students studying on, on on campus here even for some of the programs that have a focus on weekends and some um, online communication in between still taking classes that are here uh, on the campus um, so that that is an, an unusual piece i think it speaks to the draw of our very student-centric environment to our small classes certainly Nashville itself has played a major role in that but the other thing I think is an interesting one when you go back to our campus size not too many years ago that was you know roughly a third of what we are today the average undergraduate classroom size was about 20 students fast forward today nearly tripling in size the average undergraduate classroom size is about 20 students So what that says to me is not only have we invested in the physical nature, the programmatic nature, Mm -hmm. but we've said equally, or I'll argue even more importantly, invested in um, the human capital. Faculty and staff uh, from around the world coming to work here and uh, a high demand to want to be part of our community that has allowed us to, to bring additional scholars to campus in a whole host of programs, over 90 undergraduate areas of study, but also those who want to and, um, you know, to be part of a teaching university. Our faculty scholarship is important, our research is important, um, but we are first and foremost a teaching institution. And when you're able to say to a prospective student or to a parent that the average size undergraduate classroom size is 20 students, I jokingly say, but it's true, (laughs) that if you decide to skip class at 8 a.m. and your faculty member sees you a couple hours later on the sidewalk, don't be surprised if he or she Reminds you that you weren't in class. Well, I
0: know that's true because we have three students that are presently here, all of whom I tried to see this morning before I came to see you, yeah. and all of whom said, I've got class, so I think I may catch up with one when we conclude today, but yeah. they're very committed to being in that classroom. Yeah. And I think if, if you are interested in higher ed as, uh, as a business, yes. and if you're interested in the notion of branding and the power of branding, that's also where the Belmont story, I yeah. think, uh, really elevates above the fine traditional universities yeah. and long-standing ones like a Vanderbilt. Yeah. It was just 1951. Yeah roughly that Belmont broke away. It actually has an intersection with an independent school like Parish and Harpeth Hall yes right from Belmont Ward which was yes. effectively an all-women's uh, junior college and essentially uh, pre-pre-days of today an independent school. Harpeth, yeah. Harpeth Hall went off and became a very fine all-girls school here in, in Nashville and right. uh, Belmont became a college university but then it wasn't until uh, the early 2000s around 2007 yeah. when uh, the university gained its independence from the Baptist uh, in the Baptist Church. And so this notion of you really arcing in to an innovative, agile, nimble, uh, uh, kind of mission-driven business entity is really a, a last generation, yeah. it's a last generation phenomenon. It's
1: a fascinating study um, and lots of opportunities to discuss with colleagues on various campuses what has happened here. Um, it really is, I think, a combination, first and foremost, starting with a clear idea of who we are mm-hmm. um, as an institution. Certainly, um, first and foremost, a, a Christian university that is focused on academic excellence and service um, and attracting faculty and staff Um, who believe in the mission, Mm -hmm. who will be here on average for a long time um, and then finding students who align well with not just the academic opportunities, but also who we are, who, what's our culture, Mm -hmm. what's our DNA uh, and and continuing to build on that. You know, being a a relatively nimble university allows us to um, um, assess um, what is happening in higher education, what's happening in the corporate world. Just here in Nashville, recent announcement of, of an Eastern o- uh, Operations Center uh, for Amazon um, being located here in, in Nashville with 5,000 new employees coming there. How is the university going to connect to that? How are we going to be relevant to the business world without losing sight of our, our uh, the, the, the tenets of the liberal arts environment? Yeah. Because not every student, like myself, graduating from college over 30 years ago, did I know what my career path held? Right. But boy, my liberal arts education was critical. Yeah, and that's and, so and that's that parallel
0: with with Parrish's expansion story, right? Mm-hmm. In in two thousand and two, when we added our middle and upper school, and we've talked about that, and uh, and and really, we also gained a bit of independence from our uh, birth church Mm -hmm. uh, here within the last several years and uh, maintained a very close partnership with them as you've maintained an adherence to your Christian uh, Mm -hmm. values. And so there are a lot of parallels in the two institutional histories here. The other one that I think leads us into a discussion of the Kerb School of uh, of Mm -hmm. Music Business um, is is this notion of signature programs as a key part of branding. So parishes with uh, our our programs in STEM and global education and and leadership uh, have Mm -hmm. been developed in the last decade as we've added the middle and upper school and uh, of course our quest to move toward a a competency-based model one where students can move at readiness where they demonstrate mastery through performance and really build a strong set of uh, mm-hmm. learning skills they so needs to become differentiators for us these are yeah. things that we feel are are, um, are are value to our students to prepare them for the complex global society but also set parish apart Part of Belmont's ascension in the last uh, 18 to 20 years has been uh, on the power of its branding of Mm -hmm. uh, a place where you come if you're serious about music, art, Mm-hmm. Uh, and the business of sure. those entities. So talk to us a little bit sure. about uh, the Curb School, the only the only school internationally accredited as yeah. as a as a, as a uh, college program for for music business. Yeah,
1: well, it, as you've rightly said, um, certainly we have a, a very strong reputation in that area. Um, the Curb College of Entertainment and Music Business, um, as well as um, the College of Visual and Performing Arts, which contains our very large and, and well known uh, School of Music, as well as Art and Theater, and. Um, the O'Moore School of Design as well. So um, a tremendous amount of opportunity for students who are interested in majors with a a strong creativity focus. Mm -hmm. Um, Music business, important to note that it is a BBA, a Bachelor of Business Administration, so strong partnership with our College of Business and faculty in that Mm -hmm. area. Um, Music business, um, our single largest undergraduate major, draws students from all over America as well as around the world to to a campus and a program that's routinely ranked among the best um, internationally.
0: You have 2600 students, I spoke In to the that assistant college. dean this morning, yeah. 2600 students in the Curb uh, uh, College for Entertainment and Music Business, Absolutely. which is nearly a quarter of your total student population—undergraduate yeah. and graduate—so just to tell you what a magnet that is. It, it truly is. Right, nationally and internationally. And, and
1: the partnership with Nashville—we um, sit at the foot of Music Row, and yeah. I and I tell folks in the admission office, you're within a hundred yards of the beginning, yeah. and it's it's a literal description of, yeah. of Music Row. So Nashville, a tremendous resource. Um, and your uh, students
0: are getting out into into significant internship opportunities. You have music professionals coming here on the campus to give lectures in programming yeah. Yeah. so again this and that's an a, important point you know no our, our question about our,
1: it. our faculty not only with academic credentials but also our faculty who in that area have tremendous professional resumes and ongoing work in the industry and connections there where you're taking um, um, the traditional college experience and preparing students in a way, perhaps unlike any other place, to walk into a world um, that's ever-changing. When I think of the Curb College, certainly music business as the largest major, I also think about audio engineering technology, the only accredited program of its type nationally, I believe, Um, entertainment and industry studies, a very strong songwriting uh, program in in that particular college, um, as well as... Um, music law um, well, yeah right? right so having a connection uh, with, with our college of law as well as motion pictures mm-hmm. which has tremendous facilities and a relatively new major our media studies programs have moved to that to the curb college in, in, in the last year or so so there, there's really a plethora mm-hmm. of programs available there undergirded by our largest single undergraduate college and Doug Howard who I uh, would be remiss not to recognize um, as um, a longstanding. standing uh, industry professional who has returned to Belmont uh, uh, to be the current Dean in that area so and, and prior Deans before him who really built a wonderful program.
0: And What's a, I think it's a really interesting David is that um, and you and I were talking about yeah. this I've come to Nashville and I'm going to Vanderbilt and Belmont so yeah. you you've sort of moved yourself into a position where the consumer is looking at both of these universities. For some of our students it's very where true. Where 15 or 20 years that might have been the case but yeah. I, I think the larger point for our parents you know at a place like parish where we try to demystify and decelerate the anxiety around yes. the college acceptance process yes. is that if you were looking only for schools at the top of u.s news and report lists right. if you were looking only for schools that were uh, taking the the best and brightest and test takers you might look right past belmont right because of where of it, where it stands in certain national ranking lists or what have you right. you know this is about digging in yeah. To to university profiles, right. it's about really locking uh, the uh, gifts and talents and interests of your students right. into the offerings of, sure. of a university like right. this. Right. And I think that's a uh, that that's a piece of this discussion that right. I think is really important to be considering too.
1: Well, I think you know there's a balance. Um, reputation is certainly important. Um, the value of the investment long term, the the old ROI as they say, is parents and families and students consider the long term benefit of the college expense and investment there. We're very pleased to, you know, routinely be in the top five or six consistently in our category of, of comprehensive southern um, universities in U.S. news and and those are important things for families to consider. But to your very valid point, you have to dig deeper. Yeah,
0: to, uh, and, find and those programs of excellence. And, absolutely. And uh, and and to a certain degree, uh, st- stay away stay away from the from the superficiality. Yeah. Right. That is the uh, I think default mechanism we all have right. is to just try to find a list that tells us where the top well, the top are.
1: Well, and don't judge from afar. I joke that I've been in an mission long enough that long predates the internet, and you had to ask for a packet to be mailed to you. Right. You had to physically go yeah. and see a place. So I often g- tell students, take advantage of your online resources, get to know, but never replace the in-person experience um, as you're here today. Yeah. Um, there is no technology that will replicate that. And we know that if a student comes and spends a day with us on campus, and if they're a good fit for the university, the likelihood that they'll choose us mm-hmm. based on their experience here is astronomically higher, yeah. as you would expect.
0: Yeah. what are I think, really, interesting point about Belmont uh, as a school leader is there's been three college presidents since 1951. This is a place of <laughs> tremendous, yes. tremendous stability. Your, Absolutely. Your, your present uh, president, Dr. Fisher, has been here since 2000, really has yeah. uh, essentially uh, overseen this most recent arc of the university. But his predecessors were all here a decade or uh, or more. And, yes. uh, pres- uh, and President Gebhardt, who was here for uh, yeah. over 30 over 30 years. Yeah. So yeah. that is unique it and, is, in it, higher education. Well, it, and you know, as you, you, make you, make you no look doubt at about it.
1: And if you're a parent and if you're a student, him or herself, the hallmarks of institutional stability are very important. For sure, um, you know faculty who serve for for decades, um, um, and, and as well as administrators, but also being able to see signs of dirt turning, literally and figuratively, um, being able to see that. Um, we don't rest on our laurels that we're always looking for ways to say how can we serve our (coughs) students And I I joke a little bit but I'm serious when I say I wish that um, perhaps in my industry we could change the name from the admissions office to the future alumni office when you do that or at least think about it I think your mindset changes it's not just about as we were talking the point of entry it's about the lifetime of implication and um, with whom do you want to be associated and connected for the rest of your life?
0: Yeah, so parish is a forty-five-year-old institution. I'm the third head of school. There's been four rectors at the church that is our partner. So we we see ourselves as very much of a of a place that is is. Um, uh, respectful of and adherent to a a deep tradition and loves its elements of stability, our Episcopal identity, Mm -hmm. our commitment to daily chapel. At the same time, we are uh, very, very much oriented in our expansion narrative toward this agileness, this nimbleness, this Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial uh, element that uh, you all too, despite leadership stability, because sometimes it is despite, leaders can get complacent and and comfortable. Yours have been absolutely the opposite. They've been in place for a long time, but have remained very aspiring to move the university toward an authentic uh, authentic position in the market right, right? And so that's no a, very, that's a really um, piece. no question about it I
1: work with a wonderful senior leadership mm-hmm. at Belmont they're very supportive They understand daily the importance of enrollment management, of student recruitment, and the way that we look at admission and student recruitment is not just simply admission officers, but our faculty, you know, every weekday our faculty and all the colleges, (coughs) just one example, hold information sessions for visiting families, not just on open house days, but every weekday that the university is in session. That speaks, I think, to the value that we place on helping students discern the right fit, and I often say to students, Despite the fact of what you may believe, SAT and ACT, while important, are not the three most important letters in the end, it's going to be FIT, you know, it's going to that's be right. fit. And that's what we're encouraging families to do. And I think when they take advantage of what we offer in the prospective student relationship and our openness to help them explore, they can quickly see for many students that, wow, there, is, there really is a good fit here. Yep. And, uh, and I think that is, that, that is a piece of the story.
0: So I guess in closing, uh, you know, as those deans that you so respect, as yeah. you all sit around your uh, planning table, yeah. and I know you were this morning with them, yeah. what are the one or two pressure points, tensions that, hmm. you know, you all are seeing down the line for higher ed in general right. that you are trying to navigate as a senior administration, sure. and, and, and you know, how, how do you think the, how do you think the uh, college experience might look different for a parish Episcopal mm. student who's going to graduate in twenty thirty three sure. or thirty four, which is what our pre K kids exactly are coming out like? Yeah. How, how might it look different yeah. uh, as you guys are talking? And I will tell those you, those quotes.
1: years will go by more quickly than <laughs> yeah, you, <can> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, I think I think the ongoing question it perhaps hasn't changed much, but the the topics within it change a bit from year to year. And how do we continue to provide a high value? lifetime of implication for the investment that families are making um, regardless of the level of, of need and, and merit-based financial aid which we are certainly serious about providing to students how can we look back and say that the um, academic, social, co-curricular, spiritual, um, career preparation, etc. cetera opportunities and services that we provide for students continue to improve, continue to enhance, that we're paying attention to to important anecdotal feedback, that we're paying attention to assessment and institutional research, that where appropriate, we're allowing um, our systems to be data informed and, and and making adjustments, and as you said, not being complacent mm-hmm. or feeling like you've reached a point. I, I, I tend to think of excellence as um, and I believe many of my colleagues, if not all of my colleagues, would agree with me here that 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 you pursue excellence, you don't announce you've arrived. Mm-hmm. The moment you announce that mm-hmm. you pulled into the station is the moment I think complacency can begin. Mm-hmm. And so, looking at our current student experience, listening to them, reading their feedback on surveys, mm-hmm. um, both and formal and informal ways, um, sometimes, I think it's the accumulation of small adjustments, small tweaks, but hundreds if not thousands of years being made that cumulatively come mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are wonderful new facilities, and so important, and new programs. Um, things that reach the media, reach um, announcements, and we continue to be focused on whatever we can do in those areas to improve. But. I often know that the average Tuesday at ten A. M., there may be an important conversation going on between two leaders that the next day have improved the lives of our students. I think that's where we've got to stay.
0: Yeah, so like Ned, Ned I hear you saying the answer to that question is 2033, I'm not sure what it's gonna look like, but you're gonna to continue to be really alighting and nimble and agile to, yeah. to pivot to yeah. whatever is required.
1: Your core mission stays, stays and true and then mean. and then you adjust. I mean, who would have even thought that? I remember jokes about people saying we'll never have students apply for admission on this web thing, which we called it back Then, or the the idea that there would be the electronic transfer of the routine uh, term paper. I mean, no one believed that. And now, our students couldn't believe that there'd be life without it. Yeah. And what's the next thing that's coming?
0: Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. listeners will know, and you can certainly go back and listen to previous episodes. I've been uh, at Claremont Colleges, and I've been in Chicago at Northwestern. I've been uh, in North Carolina at Davis and UNC, and in Duke, and up to Boston to Mm -hmm. Harvard, see Dean uh, Fitzsimmons, and out Mm -hmm. to Stanford. Uh, And really coming to Nashville has been terrific. This is another place. To add to your list. This is a vibrant, uh, booming um, uh, city with a with a great uh, vibe to it and a great verb to it. You can come by and see uh, some of the fine institutions here, Vanderbilt and Belmont, when you're uh, when you're on campus and uh, when you're in those cities and, and see these campuses. I just, I'd certainly recommend it. And uh, thank you for your hospitality, David.
1: Well, thanks for visiting. Enjoyed speaking with you. Today. Absolutely, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. In my upcoming episode, I share part two from my higher education conversations in Nashville. Join me to hear from Doug Christiansen, Vice President for University Enrollment and Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid at Vanderbilt, for another interesting look at what is happening in higher education today. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the From My Angle podcast.